I think a lot about my friend Olga. If you would like to read her poems, you can find them at hickeybooks.com or in her book called Shakabanda, spelled just like it sounds. One word um, and available in many online stores. For a couple of years, I wrote a weekly column for the San Diego Reader. The nominal topic was people in their cars. Here's one I wrote about Olga. Even Texan George Bush talked about conservation and cutting our reliance on oil. So I'm convinced it's time we ask people if living more like Olga Savitsky wouldn't be preferable to the way we're living. Olga's a minimalist, though plenty educated, holding a Master of City Planning degree and able to follow a more lucrative career. She chooses to work only a few short days a week cleaning houses. She shares an apartment and pays less than $400 for rent and utilities in a pleasant neighborhood near a commercial district. On most of her errands, she can walk. When she needs to drive, she uses her 1994 Toyota Tercel. She tells me, it's not like a sacrifice, I just don't need much. A person with a family needs more than I do, sure. Usually what somebody needs depends upon their function. A corporate CEO, maybe he's got to throw parties and he needs a bigger house. But I don't throw parties, so what good is a big house to me? The only reason I would want one is because the media tells me I ought to have one. We see all this stuff and the desire to have some gets aroused and commercials come on and convince us we need it all and so on until we're beyond debt and into distress. Olga wears jeans and t-shirts. That's all I own. They're comfortable. They last. I just bought two new pairs of jeans for $16 each and they'll last two years. To me, the key to living well is having is living in a way that gives an opportunity for appreciating nature and friends and taking time for prayer and writing and helping people. And unless you inherit a pile of money, the way to live like that is to not want a lot of stuff. Most stuff is just clutter. But our culture feeds the desire to own or consume until what we think we need makes us greedy. The Bible says that we should work so we'll have something to share with people in need. I can work for a few days a week cleaning houses, and by not letting myself want a bunch of stuff, I can have money to give away. So I'm careful about what I buy, and I pick the things I do for durability and longevity. I need a car, so I buy a Toyota. If I needed a car that would break down, I could buy a Jaguar. And it isn't only the desire for stuff that devours our time. It's also that we try to buy security. People think they need to not only have lots of stuff, but to save or invest or buy some insurance so they'll be sure they'll always have lots of stuff. We need a bit more faith. I mean, I don't have AAA or any kind of roadside service insurance because every time a car of mine is broken down, it's been a block or so from my mechanic's house, except one time. That one time, my car broke down in an inconvenient place. 
a guy stopped to help me, and he happened to be the handsomest man I ever saw. Maybe he was an angel. I don't know, but it sure was fun breaking down. That was Olga, and this is me almost always. The more us writers can accept living simply, the better our work will be. But living like Olga requires faith. And far too many writers, like far too many Christian believers, appear to lack faith. Soren Kierkegaard concluded that belief based on evidence isn't faith at all because faith is from a source other than our reasoning minds. Belief based on experience is reason. And what God wants us to have is faith. Follow along, please, while I apply the idea of faith independent of experience to writing. Olga, while battling cancer, one day, one Sunday in church explained that faith is something we all have, but it often only applies to certain parts of our lives. We may have faith in our government or our chosen politicians. We may have faith in our friends or family that they'll stick by us no matter what. Olga contended that we should recognize the faith we have Notice how it may run counter to the weight of our experience and observations and consider the benefits of peace and security it gives us. God, she argues, wants us to extend that faith into other areas and to trust that he can and will heal us, even though evidence might run counter to such faith. From which I'll reason that God wants us writers to extend our faith into our vocations and trust that we have the necessary gifts and are on our way to becoming masterful writers no matter if every publisher on earth has insulted and rejected us, or though everyone in our critique group has said or implied we're hopeless. Such faith can be dangerous, sure, if it seems to fail. Say we pray for Olga's healing and she doesn't get healed. We may begin to doubt God or our own judgment. At those times, it helps to return to Kierkegaard and remember that belief, belief based on evidence isn't faith at all, that faith comes from elsewhere, perhaps from the Spirit. Even when it seems to fail, faith has enriched our experience, and writing, like faith, should be judged by the value of the process, not only by the results. So if we've worked on a novel for 10 years, if the process has enriched us, who are we to gripe when no publisher wants it? Faithful work is always going to enrich us, since exercising faith, even in one area such as writing, brings stronger faith we can apply to, faith we can apply to other areas, such as public speaking, or parenting, or healing, or finances, because faith isn't a mental quirk. Like St. Paul tells us, it's a substance.